Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Hello, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montategi, and today I'm joined by the legendary David Scott Peters. He's an author, a restaurant coach, a speaker who teaches restaurant operators how to use his trademark restaurant prosperity formula to transform their businesses and their lives. His first book, Restaurant Prosperity Formula, What Successful Restaurateurs Do, teaches the systems and traits to develop and run profitable restaurants. Known as the expert in the restaurant industry, his no BS style teaches and motivates restaurant owners to take control of their businesses and realize their full potential. Thousands of restaurants have used the formula to cut costs and increase profitability and create lives they've always wanted. With that, let's give a big warm welcome to David. Welcome to the show. David, as always, I'm so grateful to have you on the show. Welcome again. Uh, you know, every time that you and I talk, I get so excited about this. It's, uh, you know, our conversations go all over the place. So first, before we get started, I want the audience to really get to know you. Uh, and again, before we get started, I want to say thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for all you do with uh, helping me out with the podcast. I'm grateful. It's my pleasure to be here. Very much so. That's great. So, you know, you came, you came uh, up in the restaurant world. Uh, and, and kind of give us a little bit of the history. How did you get in there? Where, where did it come from? Give me some of your background. Well, I, I'm a lifer. I grew up my family's restaurant and catering business back in Lindenwood, New Jersey, working for the toughest manager I know. If anybody's ever worked for your mom, you know it sucks. I mean, I, I literally hated every minute of it. Why? Because my mother rode my sister and I twice as hard as everybody else. There'll be no favoritism. Now, while I hated it as a kid, she did me a favor. Because I had a work ethic like nobody else around me. I elevated my career so quickly, no matter where I worked. So she really did me a favor. Um, over the years, I worked in different various jobs during college and what have you. But when I got out of school, I ended up um, through different jobs. But I ended up back in the, in the hospitality industry working for a company called Coyote Springs Brewing Company and Cafe back in the early 90s when brew pubs were opening one a week. It was magical. Our first location was a cash cow. Our second location was like owning a boat, a hole in water in which you throw money. And it sucked one dry. And that's where I learned. I cut my teeth, if you will, on systems. I became the operations manager and the importance of budgeting. Really, the biggest thing was how cash pays your bills don't and profits don't. The importance of systems, allowing you to impose your will without being there. And over the years, I left there and went taught, uh, or I should say, I went to a franchisor called Famous Sam's, a 30-unit restaurant sports bar chain, went as the director of operations and was opening eight stores, brought an operations team, redid the training. It was phenomenal. Um, left there, went and taught at Scottsdale Culinary Institute, management, human resources, wines and spirits. I'm not a chef type. Then I went back to Famous Sam's to turn the family company around to uh, what was near bankruptcy to a sale in five years. Um and then I started coaching independent restaurants since 2003, and I'm in two different iterations from 2003 to 2019. My original company uh, literally built uh, not only coaching and seminars and workshops, but software to handle all aspects of the, your, your back office, if you will. And in 2019, my business partner bought me out. And since then, I've been focusing on really just helping independent restaurants find what I call restaurant prosperity freedom from your restaurant and the financial freedom you deserve. 
I love what you said. You know, you know, uh, systems that impose your will when you're not there, right? I mean, the being tied to a restaurant, not having to be there every single day, is the number one way to stop growth of any of, of any group, uh, restaurant group, right? And finding those systems to impose your will or to impose your process. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. Well, you think about this: chain restaurants kick our ass, and it's not because they're better. You know, I, there are some chain restaurants, I'll leave the names out, that it's a, a, a national chain that uh, is a neighborhood location. Let's just say that. They suck. They're horrendous. Heck, all they have is microwaves in the back. And I think it was three summers ago, they, they were trying to get rid of that stigma and said, oh, we've now installed wood-fired uh, grills. I'm like, what the? Like, bleh. So the bottom line is they have lines of people no matter where you are in the country. How do they have lines of people if I say they suck? Because they suck the same way every single day. See, what there is, there's a system, a process, a way to doing anything their way. And they are able to impose their will. They were able to hold people accountable. And as long as their team executes their way, they know they've got a proven system. And what happens is it's not that they're better than an independent. It's that in an independent, sometimes my portion's large, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's salty, sometimes it's not. And it's that inconsistency that crushes our industry. And so what the chains have learned is do it the same way every single time, whether it's bad, good, and different. The fact is people will come back over and over again. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Look, finding that consistency is something they can count on, even if it's at the bottom of the, of the market, even if the bottom of the one, look, I know I'm going to get the heartburn when I go there, but at least the heartburn I can tolerate. And I know exactly how long it's going to take me. Look, I'm going to walk in, I'm going to walk out. It's going to take me five minutes where I walk into a chain. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 50 minutes. And, you know, my day doesn't allow for that kind of inconsistency, right? I, I can go for five minutes, even if it's crappy, but I can get in and get out and I can count on that where right. we're walking somewhere where I make, I put an order in and, it, you know, it, it's like how taxis were, you know, back in the day with the reason why we don't go to taxis, because I couldn't count on when they were going to show up today right. on Uber. I know I can see it. All right, great. I can make sure that I can go uh, get one more cup of coffee where I'm waiting for the Uber driver to show up, or I know they're going to be there in two minutes because I can watch them go and it's consistent. It's reliable. I can see it uh, as opposed to, you know, where I used to call a cab and it show up, you know, today uh, in 20 minutes uh, next week, it'll be in an hour and right. I never know what to plan for going to the airport. So it just became to a point where I need that consistency, finding that consistency in a brand, delivering that every day. And then also the employees know how to manage that, right? They can walk in and follow processes where they manage the health, you know, uh, uh, ordering and, and the way they, they, they cook it and the way they uh, operate the cooking process, all those consistencies really lend for a much more, you know, well, a, a, a part of imposing your will is training your system. It's your system, your process, your way. So in essence, what you're doing is you're taking all the crazy maker stuff out of your head. You're documenting, you're videoing, you're training, you're doing whatever it is so they can do it your way, especially when you're not there because they're, they're literally, there's only one way to do things. So for instance, I tell people what starts with restaurant 101, hot food, hot, cold food, cold, clean, safe work environment, guest employees, wow, customer service, incredible product. We put us earth to create great hospitality. So I've got to make it a, an assumption. You, you've got your shit together. Like you run a good restaurant from there. It's literally checklists and cash controls, creating literally a culture where the details matter. If I can't get someone to follow a checklist, what makes you think they're going to follow dollars per labor or work, take inventory accurately on a Sunday or whatever it may be. If I can't make sure every penny makes it into the bank, how am I going to make sure I've got money to pay my bills? 
And then after that, that, that second tier, if you will, we now get into all the systems from counting a bar drawer back to $300 the same way, only one way, not seven different ways, one way to dollars per labor hour work, which is high level labor efficiencies. There is a system, a process away, which means I can train anybody my way. I can hold people accountable to my way. I can ensure it's getting done my way, even when, and especially when I'm not there. And that's the power. It's not easy. It takes time and it's, it's all a lot about company culture, but it's critical to your success. If you don't want to be a prisoner, if you don't want to be the, you know, the God's gift to your restaurant. You're the only one who can schedule. You're the only one who can place an order. You're the only one who can run a shift. Then you, why'd you get in the restaurant business? No, no, it, it, we do it all day long. It, it's kind of like this, this, uh, it, the entrepreneur leash, right? We uh, uh, build these systems that pay homage to us. We're the ones that can do it. We're the only ones who can do it. If I don't get up and turn the world, it's not going to turn. And then they wonder, well, why do I have to do this every day? Well, you set it up that way. You set up the system where you're the only one who can who can figure out your system. You have a community system. Well, look, as an entrepreneur, I have done that numerous times throughout my career. I, I've watched as I've put this S on my chest and I walk out and we should say, Oh, look, they're all having problems. Let me pull my S out. Cause I got to be important, right? It's, it's getting importance from me doing it as opposed to really learning how to step back and me creating it and allowing them to do it. Right. Really help, helping other people to be uh Superman. Right. Super and, and, and a part of, part of that value as entrepreneurs, we often think the harder I work, the more hours I work, the more valuable I am. And it's the complete absolute ass nine opposite. The more you can lead, train, guide your company forward, work on budgets, work on marketing, developing your management team, holding them accountable, the more, the more you get done. And, and kind of one of the things that I think people talk about is like, well, nobody can do it as well as I. No shit. You're, you're the only person in your company who's going to care as much, work as hard, do whatever. But if they can do it 85% as well as you, holy shit, that's a home run. Yeah, I know you, 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 you've made it right there. 85% of how you do it. It's probably more than 95% of the people on the planet. You know, I know one of the big things with you is stop the blame game, right? Talk about that. So what happens is, and I literally just spoke at the uh, Louisiana Restaurant Association show just a couple of days ago, and we talked about this labor crisis, right? We started with the COVID-19 and the business restrictions, and it's been really hard. Owners are now working on their business, not on their business, but in their business again. And we cut our labor, we cut our management, and then- COVID restrictions lifted and all of a sudden we had record sales. Most everybody, not COVID pandemic records, like before the pandemic record sales, but we don't have any employees and we can't get people to, to apply. We can't get people to show up. We, we burned people out. We, we got them out of our industry and they don't want to come back. And all that a restaurant owner wants to do many shouldn't say all many want to go, Oh, it's the government's fault. 300 extra dollars. They don't, these people want to sit on their ass and do nothing. Oh, it's, it's, the employee's fault. It's my manager's fault. It's COVID's fault. It's, they just keep blaming others. When the truth of the matter is, it's you. You right. created a company culture which drove people away and they don't want to be there. And so where there's smoke, there's fire. When you can take ownership, then you can make the change because here's the deal. Blaming allows you to push off responsibility to someone else. You don't own it. But when you can have the pride to own it, you can then fix it. And that's the beautiful part about this is you are 100% the solution to your problem. It's it's the toughest thing for me I mean, as an entrepreneur, you know, uh, our companies have grown, CDO group and, and the company has grown so dramatically. It's got this leadership body and they've put me in charge of company culture. And as I started to really look at it and go, all right, 
how am I at fault when we lose employees or someone's not happy with the culture or the systems? How am I at fault for that? Right. How can I hold myself accountable for what's happening? And, and the best learning I've ever had, the best learning, a bad review about, about the company culture, a bad review about something, getting humble and sitting in, I didn't pay attention. You know, I, I paid lip service to it, but I never actually embraced what it meant to value employees. What I meant, what it really meant to, to really honor the people that come to work for you every single day and, and give their blood, sweat and tear and their time and everything they have to make this, your company successful. Uh, you know, being in this position has been the most humbling I've ever been to stand back and go, wow. Right. What does it, what does it really take to get to know your employees, to cherish them, to honor them, to be grateful for the work that they're doing. And um, I, I can tell you, it's, 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 it's humbling. It's exciting. It uh, it's freeing you know, f- to finally not have all the answers to be able to sit back and go, all right, how am I not doing this right? But what, what, what people have to worry about though, is, is we often knee jerk reaction, the complete opposite way. And now I want people to like me and I, I don't want to push into hard. I don't want to add something more to their list. What if they leave me and so on? Truth of the matter is if I train you what your job is, how to do it, how well it should be done more importantly, by <laughs> when you demonstrate it back, I hold everybody to the same standards. I can ask more of people. They feel that it's fair. It's, it's a part of the culture. So what people can't do is think, oh, well, I've got to completely go backwards and now I've got to treat everybody with kid gloves. No. In fact, think about it this way. Um, if you've had a stern parent or you had a coach, for me, it was athletics. Like my coach wasn't easy on me. Was it because he hated me? No, he wanted more out of me. And I had respect for that. Even if he delivered a message harshly to me, it was because it was for my best interest. And that's what we've got to realize is company culture isn't just about being nice. It's kind of following, not to get too academic, but Herzberg's motivation hygiene theory from the 1960s. Uh, Frederick Herzberg was a psychologist and was probably the, the revolutionary guy for business management. And he talked about there are maintenance factors and there's motivation factors. And if the maintenance factors are missing, things like fair pay and proper supervision, things like that. If those aren't in place, then they're demotivators. But then we have these, these motivators that he also says that if there's more of something, it doesn't make anybody more motivated. And it's things like achievement, opportunity for advancement, safety. It's these, it's these things that we as operators have to really, or any business, really look at our employees and say, it's okay to set standards. It's okay to set high expectations, but man, you just got to take care of them. And, and it doesn't mean becoming wishy-washy and soft. Does that make sense? No, look, never have I felt accomplished when anybody's been wishy-washy or soft around me. I, in fact, the best I've ever been is when I've been pushed, leaned into a little bit. Now, as I've, as I've watched the environment change, you know, I'm, I'm a lot like a coach. I'm very rah, 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 go get them, go get them, go get them. Come on team. You could do this bullshit. That's you why got, we get along, <laughs> right? You got this now. So I've had to really look at, all right, what are the things I can do to be, to be stern with a system? This is a system that we have to have because without the system, this isn't workable, right? The system will not work. Uh, and the more that we follow a system in a process, the more workability we have in our system, the more we understand that. Great. Everybody does that. We have budgets and forecasts and we have systems and we, here's how we start a project. Here's how we end a project. Here's how we start a day. Here's how we end a day. Uh, these are things we need to be workable. Now, 
here's what I need to do to understand you as a, as a part. Cause I've gone that other way. I've gone that just that part you talked about where I've over uh, you know, I've got vegetarians that work for the company. Now I got to go dramatically the other way and go, Hey, we're going to do vegetarian lunches. And then the people that eat me are like, Hey, I don't need that stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, how do I do it? So that's in the middle. It's fair for everybody that works a system that's sustainable over a long period of time. And you don't get too dramatic either way, right? You know, you're not, uh, uh, your high highs don't get too high. Your low lows don't get too low. But the system becomes very reproducible uh, continuously every, every single week. So I, I, I've, uh, I, as I've gone through it, I love watching uh, myself, you know, and then the little bird that's in me that goes, I have this right. No, maybe I don't. Right. The part of me that goes, you know, challenge, challenge myself. And I feel like that's the part as entrepreneurs that most of us have that we're able to, we're coachable ourselves that maybe, the way that it is isn't exactly right, and there might be another system to this. I think that's what ultimately made us, uh, you know, uh, uh, entrepreneurs. Is that we were looking for a better way of doing things, or successful entrepreneurs. Because think sure. of the restaurant industry. There's so many restaurants that, that I could help, but they're too damn smart. They know everything. They're never going to go outside their four walls. So what I found in my book, Restaurant Prosperity Formula, I followed my most successful restaurant operators, and what they've learned. One of the pieces of that is. They don't know what they don't know. So they're willing to always consume information, whether it's get a coach, go to seminars and workshops, trade shows, read magazine articles, YouTube videos. They're always in search of the new something because they just don't know what they don't know. And what's amazing is once they find it out, what really makes them successful is doesn't matter if I know, if I don't train my managers and share that knowledge, who cares? And that's, that's probably, I would say that yes, as an entrepreneur, but as a successful entrepreneur versus somebody who's stuck in a prisoner in your business, that's not you. Make sense? Oh, absolutely. You know, your, your book, uh, Restaurant uh, uh, Prosperity is, is really a great book. You know, it, it's a formula, right? When you yep. talk about it, it's successful restaurateurs and entrepreneurs, there is a formula for what they do. And in your book, it identifies it really, really well. I think it's one of the great parts to, to break out here. Thank you. So if we look at the restaurant prosperity formula, for me, restaurant prosperity, I said kind of earlier in the in, in kind of who I am, is restaurant prosperity is freedom from your business and the financial freedom you deserve. And I've been coaching restaurant owners since 2003, but what's really been a change for me in the last couple of years after writing that book and looking at my most successful people is I used to focus on systems, numbers, management, then you. And when I turned it around and said, I'm focused on getting you freedom from your business. If I can do that, then you're making money because it means you have managers in place. You have systems being followed. You have budgets. You have all the things to get there. But my most successful people, it starts off, the formula starts with leadership. You've got to be a good leader. And the unfortunate reality is we're not all born leaders. And so, you know, this is the important part about the next piece of the formula is we've got systems plus training. Well, the systems part is that there's a system, a process, a way to doing anything and everything in your business. And when you do that, if you're that, that social worker, you're the, what I call the giver. If all you care about is guest experience and so on, you don't pay attention to your numbers, you have systems give you budgets and all these other systems you must follow, targets to reach. If you're that pencil pusher, the numbers person, and you're impatient with people, you don't care about that. It forces you to train people and say what your guest experience is like. And so systems make up for our weakness. Weakness is making us the leader our restaurant needs. Then there's that training. It, you know, We go with that systems, the training. It's learning what you don't know and sharing it. But underneath that is accountability. You've got to be willing to hold people accountable to your systems. doesn't matter what kind of systems you have. 
doesn't matter how good your training is. If you let people do whatever the hell they want, who cares? Why do you have them? And what I do is I change that word accountability from a negative. Anthony, I'm going to hold you accountable. It's like a fist to you. Like you screw up and I'm going to bound you versus changing it to answerable. You know what your job is, how to do it, how well it should be done. More importantly, they win. Then you know your obligation is your job. You make a decision to do your job and then you're answerable for the resulting consequences. So there's no conflict to that because your employee, your manager, your line employees, they know exactly what was expected. They've proven to you they know how to do it and they have the confidence to do so. So if they choose not to do their job, they understand there are consequences. And last but not least, it doesn't matter you do all this stuff. You ultimately have to take action. My father had a phrase, said ideas are cheap. It's the people who put them into action that are priceless. Like I'll give you all the ideas in the world, whether it's my book, see me speak, go to my YouTube channel, don't care. I'll give you all the ideas and get you all excited. But if you go home and do nothing, who gives a damn? And ultimately you follow that formula, you're damn near guaranteed to be successful. The truth of the matter though is it is the restaurant business. So the thing that each one of these people have, these entrepreneurs that are successful for in the restaurant business, they have passion for the industry. You've got to love hospitality because there'll always be struggles and man, they are persistent. Heck, look at it. Look at just what we went through with COVID and are still going through. You've, there are always obstacles, but you got to say, have this growth mindset, not fixed. Fixed mindset says, oh my gosh, COVID hit, I'm shutting down. Versus, damn, COVID hit, pivot, 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 do whatever I can to make it work. And that's what really separates a successful entrepreneur, but especially in the restaurant business. I, you know, I, I saw it throughout uh, all business, you, you know, uh, in the construction world as well. I, I saw, you know, folks that just crawled up on a ball like, oh, it's COVID. Oh, my God, everybody locked down, I, you know, and there's guys who uh, companies who didn't, who innovated, who really created, you know, uh, we invented stuff uh, through COVID that changed the way we do business today. You know, we, we went from uh, where we were doing trade stacking on a job site. How many people can you fit at the same time and kind of, you know, move it around to shift stacking? Where can we put uh, people throughout the day? Right. So we right. have people that start, you know, there were guys that wanted to start at three o'clock in the morning and uh, uh, you know, there was older guys love getting up early, love that. And there were older, there were younger people that uh, we found that uh, wanted to stay up late and go to work a little bit later. So uh, we had a, a crew that was at three o'clock in the morning. We had a crew that started at 6am in the morning, a crew that started at 10am. Another one that started at one and we ended up having shifts that worked all day long. And with communication today, it revolutionized the way that we do a business, even outside of COVID, uh, just really giving people a lot more bandwidth as to what works for them in their life and for their group. And, you know, it, it's, there has been the same thing with the restaurant world. I, I watch folks who really took embraced delivery, right. And they've now are added, you know, tremendous uh, revenue to the bottom line and in using third-party uh, delivery folks, they've in- incorporated some of their own stuff. Uh, there's a restaurant uh, right here down the street, a little Greek uh, greasy spoon, which is a great, great uh, diner. My, my family loves going there. And he's doing well over $1,000 on a weekday, uh, $1,500 to $2,000 on a weekend out the front door, not taking up one seat in the restaurant every single day uh, with third-party delivery folks. And that all came out of learning how to do it in COVID because uh, he just embraced it. He, instead of sitting there crawling up, he just got, all right, let's figure out how to do this. They figured out how to package it. Uh, there was an opening in the marketplace where people just didn't feel like going out for breakfast. They'd love having it delivered. And it's convenient. Sometimes we do it here. You know, having breakfast delivered, you know, it's, uh, I, my mother probably would flip over to gray or flip over at her house if uh, she watched me do that. But, uh, you know, it's kind of, kind of nice to have pancakes delivered at your house uh, on a Sunday morning and you don't have to leave your pajamas. You know, you and the family can sit home and watch a movie or something, you know? Yeah, our industry is is forever changed, 
whether third-party delivery, whether it's to go, whether it's new technology we've implemented, getting leaner and so on. The danger though is that a lot of operators I'm seeing it right now with all the PPP money, EIDL money, the freaking restaurant relief fund, and like all this money's coming their way. You know, we go backwards. Pandemic hit, 25% of our industry was gone in two weeks because they only had two weeks of cash flow. As long as they had money coming in, they could pay bills from two weeks ago, then it shut off, they were gone. Then by the second or third wave of the pandemic, which was December of 2020, we were up to about 40% of our operators. And then the government came in with all this freaking money. So these people who survived are now getting all this money. And I hear operators going back to their old habits of too much labor. Oh, well, I've got the money. I can burn it until we change or whatever. It's like, no, you keep those efficiencies. You keep that money. It, you made the change. Now you've got to stick with it and remain being efficient, trying to find new ways. Because here's the deal. Like we, we'll always have new challenges. Like we'll replace... COVID and these, these challenges with new challenges. That's the one thing I'll guarantee you in our industry. And so right now, we've now not only have a labor shortage, so your labor costs are really low because you got people being burnt out with overtime and all this stuff, but our food costs are outrageous, more so than ever before. We've got chicken wings are up 100%, briskets up 300%, avocados like 200%. Like there's shortages on every truck. Our costs are going through the roof. So now we've got to get really creative on simplifying menus, reducing our cost, finding yet new ways to stay efficient and still deliver the best guest experience possible. So it's not like once you learn how to do that one thing, we're done. You're never done. There's no finish line in the restaurant business. There's always a new challenge, a new something. And if you can keep that growth mindset that you will find a way and you're always looking to improve, man, the sky's the limit because there will always be imposters that come in and out of the industry. Open and close, open and close. But when you can be a staple and deliver consistency to your guest, damn, I mean, it, it, you're going to be around forever. I think that's one of the hard parts is, is staying in that growth mindset, right? You know, I, I'm a lot like a thermostat, you know, at, at uh, uh, 70, uh, you know, at uh, 68 degrees, it's too cold. The heat comes on, right? Uh, you know, if, if, if I get to this level of profitability, I, I kick on. All of a sudden, I start getting really busy and really profitable. Uh, all of a sudden, I start getting a little. Light and I warm up. You know, I, I need to you know cool it down a little bit. And sometimes just allowing myself to go through the ups and downs of all right, I'm going to be uncomfortable down here. Let's boogie. But when we get when we get through that, uh, it, it's busy. Just learning to organize, expand, right? To notice that hey, all right, things are getting a little. I'm growing, right? Oh my god, I, I got a thousand dollars. You know, this guy with the with a thousand dollars a day going out the door. You know, now the business is kicked back up. You can see that uh, uh, some of the staff was like, well, how are we going to be able to handle? Uh, doing both. And he said, no, 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 I got this. And he, and what he did is he created a whole to go area and dedicated a staff that's not focused. He's got a, he's got a manager, one of his key managers that runs the to go window that literally that, that he's taken a, a great asset and put it over there and separated it from the rest of the group. So it's growing and, and he's maintaining that growth on that to go stuff where he could have started to say, well, COVID's over, you know, slowing down a little bit. Maybe I don't need this as much. And, and all that foothold that he gained could have gone backwards, right? So uh, learning to go, all right, expanded, now organize. Expand, now organize. A lot of us get to that point where it gets hectic and you can't handle the organized part. So one of the things that I would tell people is, and I, I, a couple of my members, we, I was speaking in Miami and they were at the show at Cater Source and uh, we had dinner together and we, we spent some time really talking about their business and both our business. We had just a wonderful time. Just like you, I enjoy, I really enjoy restaurant operators, getting to know them. 
But we talked about the real growth for them. They're a husband-wife couple. Was making time, planning weekly time for strategic planning. That they could be strategic in their business, not just operate it every single day and survive. Like, what are we doing? Well, we're going to expand catering. We're going to be, we're going to be adding management. We want to add, you know, uh, uh, somebody in our bar to help our cocktails kick up. And, but they're always thinking about the growth part of their business, the future and what they can do to change and grow. And so often too many entrepreneurs get stuck in the day to day that they forget they need strategic planning. You actually have to take time and force yourself to think about the future. Thinking about the future. And then as you start to develop it, understand that you're not going to be able to do all of this yourself, right? And as you, you know, um, as we brought on a leadership body at uh, CDO Group and, wa- and watched it expand, right? I, I, I noticed this propensity in me to, to want to go jump in their business, right? I, I hired these amazing people, right? They came on board and they're, they're, they're phenomenal. They, they're great. But even though I, I brought them in, uh, great people, I wanted to, as I knew what I was doing, right? I knew I, right. I had, to, now I had to give them this and let them run with, run with it. And I was, I just sit in my office and there's a door there and I, I would close the door and I can't tell you how many times a day I just bit my tongue and said, stop, you want to go, you, I, I want to go jump out and go jump in their business or go talk to their people, go jump in there. And I had to sit back there and go, look, stop. Where's that coming from? Well, part of that is that, you know, the job really, really well. And, and I get it. But if you don't allow them to go step on their own, you're always going to have to spin every plate. And as I step back and get, all right, great. I have one-on-one time with each and every one of those leadership people once a week. How do I save that, save that up? Now, if it's really important or something I could do is I could take them off on the side and, and have a one-on-one with them. But every single time I jumped into their department and thought I could coach their people or, or did the stuff that really what made us successful in the beginning, right? When I was a little company, a little, that was great. It was wonderful stuff that I did. And then to walk back and go, all right, now they, now what's happened since they've done that, they've taken it to places I never even imagined. Right. I mean, I, I- yeah. I have a couple of rules for you on that. And that's this one. We only know what we know. Right. And there's, there's another way to get from point A to point B. Like it, it's not always a straight line to you and I, based on our experience, number of years and being founders of our companies, like there's a straight line by God, that's the only way, but it's not there are multiple ways. And oh, by the way, we learned by making mistakes, which cost us money. We're like, Oh, don't do that again. Don't do that again. And so I kind of give my, my members, the restaurant owners I work with, kind of a, a rule to follow. And that's this. Understand there's more than one path. There's not always a straight path from point A to point B. You need to let people take that path and learn on their journey. Who cares as long as they get there? In fact, they may find a better route that you you because you never thought of it because you're stuck in running the whole company and they're just in their lane on their department and they're going to become experts at what they do. But the, you look at it this way. As long as it's not, not going to hurt your guest, in your case, your customer, as long as it's not going to hurt the employee, as long as it's not going to hurt the company, you got to let them do it. But the moment they start taking their car and they're ready to crash into a barrier, you grab them by their bootstraps and pull them back. Go, no, 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 no. We do it this way. Otherwise, you got to give people the freedom to try other things because by God, there is another way and it might be better than your way, but you'll never know if you just keep saying give it to me and micromanage by actually taking it from them and doing it for them. Even if you don't take it from them and say, no, no, you got to do it this way. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. And, and I made mistakes. I made lots of them and uh, you know, they'll, they'll make mistakes. You know, I, I, I look at my kids the same way, you know, I've got these great, uh, these kids and I, I, and I watch them and 
you know, I got a 19 year old son and, and I want him to do it this way. And uh, he wanted to do it a different way. And, and my 16 year old daughter, I want to squeeze her and hold her and protect her from everything. And I found the more I squeeze her and the more I was trying to stop her from doing what she was doing, the further, further away from she got. Right. Yep. All of a sudden I gave her a little bit of an opening. Look, I have a job. My job is don't die. Right. My job at the company is to you know maintain and grow this company. Right. Continue to allow it to go. And I hired great people, allow them to do the path that they're going to do. Just like you said, watch, watch them go through what they're doing. If there's somewhere they're going to get in trouble or something, that really look, we can communicate that because I've got great relationships with them and I spend time getting to know them. Right. And hearing what's going on with their life. I, you know, I can anticipate that I've got a young guy who's getting ready to get married. Right. He's, he, and I, we had a one-on-one today and said, you understand, give yourself some room. You're, you're going through marriage. Your wife needs some attention as you go through this next process. Now we, as we, as teammates, we're going to give you a lot of room to do that. So let's just be aware of that stand in a communication that look, it's going to take some time. You know, we got uh, one of our, one of our uh, leadership guys just had a baby right he, a year ago. It's one year, uh, one year birthday this week. And I said, just watch, for example, how he went through it, right? The baby was magnificent. He went through all the stuff of having a baby, but it takes some attention. And you're just noticing now how that department's really starting to roll again because he's able to go back and really work on the department. But we gave him room and his team gave him room to have the baby and do what they need to do. And that's a difference where I think we really start to support each other's understanding what we go through and being there for them as they go through their life stuff. And support the stuff that happened. You know, we still have matrix. We still have things to measure and, and maintain. Uh, but uh, you know, getting to know your people and giving having grace for their life, right? The stuff they go through in their life. And how does that work for? And our, you know, the restaurant world hasn't been that way. The restaurant world has worked our people to death, right? right. It's beat them, beat them up, paid them nothing, and just said, well, that's the way the restaurant world is. And today, those restaurants aren't able to find people. Uh, to work for right yeah we're, we're going through a major uh, wake up a change in our industry a, a come to jesus if you will not to offend anybody so the, the fact of the matter is because of these bad practices we've created an environment that people don't want to be in the industry so for instance as we cut back our team when COVID hit the restrictions we let cooks go i can't tell you across the country how many cooks i know that are now in construction will never come back to the restaurant business they're making more money Overtime, anything they want, they've got you know a life, and they're not coming back. We've got for the first time, we've got people who went out and they're like, okay, we're letting you go because we only keep like three servers and so on. All our bartenders are gone because we're not, we don't have nobody to sit at a bar. And they found nine to five jobs. They're like, I have real weekends. You mean Wednesday's not my Friday? And you know, I've I punch in, I punch out, I leave the job behind, and they're like, I don't want to come back. And then we look at the money. And, you know, they're getting paid more. Heck, I could start a, at Amazon for $17 an hour in one of their warehouses, get full benefits, a signing bonus, you know, education, all these things, and, you know, just leave my problems behind. And all of a sudden that's attracting who would normally work for us. And now we're burning our managers out. We're burning ourselves out. We're burning our, our line employees out with overtime and, you know, and everybody's a Karen now, like it's not to piss anybody off with the name Karen, but when COVID lifted a little bit, people are like, oh, I'm just, oh, take your time. I'm so glad you're open. Now they're like, what the hell? This is taking too long. Where's your people? I want to sit at that table. And like my daughter who worked, was home for college for uh, the last few months was working back at the coffee shop she worked at and they're a drive-through. She's had to call the cops twice this summer on a, a customer, actually call the police. It was that dangerous at that point in time because people are nuts now. And who wants to work in this industry? 
So we've got to become employers of choice. We may have to make sure, well, not may, we're going to make sure it's a positive work environment. We're going to make sure it's fair pay. If you've got one restaurant who's jacking up their, their pay rates, we'll just know there's only 10 line jobs at that rate. But if I see multiple restaurants going, then we got to go with them. We've got to make sure there's proper supervision on every shift. We've got to make sure people are trained. We've got to make sure people see a chance for advancement, even if they don't want it. We got to make work itself something that is rewarding, even if you're a dishwasher, to understand how it affects the guest, how they make sure that Yelp review that was phenomenal wouldn't happen if it weren't for them. That's right. And that's, that's without being, you know, complaining about the millennials and younger, like, oh, I can't talk to them rudely. Well, guess what? You can't anymore, period. We've got to create a positive work environment. I, you know, you know, um, one of the best jobs I ever had, I was a cleanup kid in a butcher shop, right? I was, I was, I was like I don't know, 14 or 15 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old. I, you know, I worked after school for a couple hours a day and, and Frank, uh, you know, it's a tough job. I mean, you're a kid, you know, sweeping, cleaning up all this greasy stuff from, uh, you know, the butcher shop and, but I got to tell you, I learned more doing a hard job for a little bit of money because the people that were there trained me to be a man, right? So in the job, in, the, in, in being there every single day, there was a work ethic and a culture and a community that I felt part of. And I, I couldn't wait till they let me cut chicken, right? You know, when you're a kid, you know, you're like, I want to be, I want to be, a, I want to learn how to do that, right? And, and all of a sudden they stacked me next to a stack of chicken I was, you know, taller than I was. And the old butchers were super funny. They'd, they'd take the, they'd take the, 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 the top chicken, they put the juice on top and you go to get that box and it would spill uh, chicken juice all over you. And I'm like, all right, little smart, smart legs. You know, they play a little joke on the kid, but I wanted to be part of that group. Right. And they, they really pushed me and uh, I, it, it can be, a, it doesn't have to be the highest paying job to be committed to something, to be part of something, to enjoy being part of that group and culture. It's a, uh, I think that's what you're talking about is really creating an environment where people enjoy their crew, enjoy their group, feel like they're giving back and are part of a community that's uh, uh, that's really important. So, David, you create that, right? You really have, you know, your your, your books really speak to that, Your uh, uh, the business that you run. If people want to get to know you and really have you come in and do some coaching for them, uh, where do they find you, Dave? So, easy enough, go to davidscottpeters.com. Uh, that's where you go to my website. You can jump on a discovery call with me. We can learn more about you and your business, tell you what I do, and maybe we're fit. I'm not a right fit for everybody. I just like to think I am. If you want to dip your toe in the water, go check me out on YouTube, David Scott Peters. I put out a free tip every single week, a uh, video tip, and there's a whole library. Or check out my podcast, Restaurant Prosperity Formula, found on all the popular podcasting services. So there's multiple ways to you know kind of dip your toe in the water and get to know me. I love getting to know you and it's been fun. You know, we continue to do this and, uh, you know, when I got a chance to get with you, uh, I, I, I've been thinking about it since the moment we got to meet. So, uh, David, I love what you do and uh, all the stuff you've been able to help and grow me with the podcasts and services. I, I am truly honored and grateful to have you as a guest and look forward to doing some more. I really appreciate the opportunity and we'll do more for sure. Even you on my podcast. There you go. Look forward to it, brother. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Montategi, always looking for people to bring insight into the industry, finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.